You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi everybody, Russ from My Hammers 11. Hope you're all safe and well. If you're new to the channel, please consider subscribing, hitting the bell icon so you're made aware of any time we put new content on. Loads of great guests coming up, including today's guest, uh, freelance sports journalist, and also he's writing his first book, which we'll talk about as well in a bit because it's quite a, it's quite poignant for being a West Ham fan. Uh, it's Dad, it's Danny Lewis. How you doing, Dan? How's doing? I'm good, thanks. How are you? I'm all right, thank you very much. I'm all right, all right. How have you been during this weird world we live in now? Yeah, I, I mean, I've not been too bad because, you know, as I, as you said, I've been working on my book, so that's sort of given me something to really focus on during the time. Mm. And obviously where I've recently become freelance, I've also been finding new places to work, which has been kind of exciting as well. So while obviously it's a very worrying time, mm. it's also managed to have a few positives for me as well. Yeah, it opens up a lot of possibilities, doesn't it, to you now? Because as you said, you know, being freelance, there's, there's a lot of people are going, a lot of lot of companies want freelancers rather than employ people and having to send them on furlough and mm. at the moment. Um, the whole sort of freelance side of the of everything you know i work in, in market research and stuff really and um and yeah it's all about consultants and freelancers now because yeah. it just saves them on the bottom line doesn't it really and they can bring one on a project by project basis or an article by article basis for yourselves yeah i mean i was i was originally furloughed and then made redundant so it was sort of forced upon me but i'm sort yeah. of looking at it as an opportunity definitely so. Definitely. Now you can see that. And obviously it means also, as you said, you've got to, more time to concentrate on the book as well. Um, yeah. Now, for those that don't realise, Danny's writing his, as his first book, which is which is fantastic in itself. But what's really useful, particularly for West Ham fans, is it's a book about the bowling. And it's a book about um, saying farewell to the bowling. What's, what's, what's the whole idea of the book, Danny? Uh, so basically, you know, obviously I was at the game, I was in the Bobby Moore upper, yeah. And um, it, you know, it's up there the best nights of my entire life. Um, and I realise that's probably the case for a lot of West Ham fans. 
and I wanted to do something about it for quite a while, but I didn't quite know what. Um, But then, you know, the idea came to, you know, sort of interview loads of different people to get their experiences and then use all of those to sort of form the narrative of the evening. So there'll be like the build up. I mean, I'm even touching on the Swansea game, which luckily isn't getting too much focus. Um, You know, then, you know, everything from the feeling waking up to getting to the ground, obviously watching the game, the ceremony, the aftermath. So literally just everything possible to do with that game. I'm trying to basically get into this book um, because it has such a special place in so many people's hearts. So, so yeah. And, you know, I'm really happy with some of the people that I've, um, I've managed to interview so far, obviously we'll be speaking later on. Um, that, yeah. <laughs> but um but yeah i mean i've been tweeting them out if anyone wants to follow it it's tbf underscore book um but you know the people that i've interviewed a blind fan called matt datson yeah yeah um, he, had, he had his brother yeah, james on james is a big fan of the channel yeah i've in, interviewed him as well um you know, today I tweeted out about George Paris. There's been Bobby Zamora, Phil Parks. Um, I had one yesterday that I, I haven't tweeted out yet, so I won't say. Oh. But it's one of my favourite interviews I've ever done. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Is it it's with just, an ex-player. It's not. Oh. It it it's not with an ex-player. It's with an ex-player's relative. Oh, brilliant. Yeah. So um, so yeah, it's it's been really exciting to do it so far and like for example I also went back to Upton Park for the first time since um since that final game to sort of summarize the feelings of being there so that was a pretty emotional day but yeah it's been it's been good writing it so far Oh, fantastic. That sounds brilliant. Yeah, no, it's great, isn't it? It's great when you interview people. I mean, the same for me. Mm. I, you know, it's I, I can see a lot of parallels. You know, I sort of started this during lockdown, the first lockdown, because I was, you know, missing football and thought, yeah, it was quite a nice idea talking to people. And it just became the same thing. As you said, you probably didn't assume for, for one minute that you were going to be talking to Parksy and George Paris. Yeah. And, but it just happened. And that's the same with this. It's like, you know, not for one second did I think that, you know, I'd have done over well almost 200 interviews now and interviewed some of my favorite players ever and and club legends and things like that and it's just like just mental absolutely mental but I love it and the same as you because it's about football and it's about West Ham it, mm. it has this extra buzz about it and um no it's brilliant man I'm looking forward to obviously our chat later on um now, obviously, you know, as you know, you, as we can tell, you're a West Ham fan. Um, yeah. <laughs> obviously, dedicating, you know, writing a, new, a whole new book of, of, about West Ham. Um, but how did it start for you, Danny? Why are you a West Ham fan? What's your journey? Um, so when I was pretty young, I was sort of stuck between whether to choose Arsenal and West Ham. <laughs> and um, my dad sort of seized his opportunity and just took me to loads of West Ham games. Yeah. And um, every time I went, I fell in love with it more. And there was just a point where I couldn't be anything other than a West Ham fan. Mm. And 
you know, obviously I'm writing a book about Upton Park and Upton Park was such a big reason because obviously, you know, when you compare the two clubs, it's not going to be because West Ham are better than Arsenal on the pitch. No. Um, there was just something about Upton Park that felt so special to me and yeah. almost like a second home almost immediately. Um, so, yeah, that's how it all started for me. Yeah, and as you said, once you're in, you're in, aren't you? Uh, you know, yeah. There's no one I interviewed yet who, who said, oh, yeah, I went to the first game. It was all right. Uh, and I thought, but I might go to a second game. Everyone's like, first game, that was it. I'm hooked. I'm never, you know, there's mm-hmm. no, never going to be anything else. Uh, that was it. And um, But that's the great thing about about being a West Ham fan, I think. I, I think, I, I know, we, I'm pretty sure we're bi- I'm biased to others, other clubs, but it just seems our fan base is so fanatic and so intrinsically sort of woven into uh, the community spirit and it might, it might be because you know where the, the club originated the east end mm-hmm. and that sort of spirit of the blitz you know no you know no one's up against them all that type of attitude and you just get that through and you'll obviously you'll get that obviously you interviewing people now and the fans and stuff mm-hmm. you know they're just so passionate and they just so love their club and I just don't think you get that sense of community in any other and we know that because people people email me and, and, and message me about the channel and they're Tottenham fans or Arsenal fans or Chelsea fans and they go, We don't have anything like this. So that's why we you know, we watch it. Mm-hmm. Although we know it's all about West Ham, it's all about football and you know, it's it's nice to see. And that's what you'll get as well. You obviously you'll get obviously the book will obviously naturally appeal to West Ham fans, but yeah. football fans in general because it's a it's a, a piece of history, wasn't it, really? Yeah, um, definitely. In terms of who's played there and stuff like that, you know, obviously, you know, the the sixties and you know, Moro and stuff like that. But even Messi, you know, Messi's played at the bowling, so you know what I mean? So yeah. yeah. I was there. I was there in that, in that <laughs> he, he graced a pitch at Upton Park, did Messi? Um, yeah, and and Zabaleta with hair. I remember at the time as well. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but that's all the fun, and, and you, you know, it's just I, I I love talking to to fans about West Ham and, and on the channel as well because mm-hmm. you just you know you blink and it's an hour's gone or forty five minutes has gone because you know everyone so has the thing that joins you doesn't matter where you live, um, where you've come from. Uh, Everyone's support is that badge, isn't it? So, you know, obviously, yeah. and, and just for you, I put on my, my last season at Upton Park <laughs> shirt. It wasn't, I noticed that. I didn't just throw the, I don't just throw these <laughs> things together, Danny. I plan them out. But um, no, it's great, man. Do you remember your first game, your actual first game? Yeah, it was, it was, we lost 1 0 against Everton. Um, it was Alexanderson who scored the goal for them. Um, I'm probably the only West Ham fan around that still remembers him. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's that's what I mean. Like, the actual game itself wasn't necessarily that great because obviously we lost. But everything around it was just so captivating. And, you know, obviously on the flip side, I took my nephew to his first game. Luckily, in the final season at Upton Park, and we won two one against Newcastle, yeah. and um, you know I saw the exact same look in his eyes as I had when I went to my first game and saw that pitch for the first time. So that that was a, a pretty massive moment for me as a West Ham fan, obviously yeah. passing on the baton in a way. Yeah, exactly, and that's the thing; it is about that sort of 
no one, yeah, as you said, the, the game is irrelevant, to be honest, in terms of the score. You know, nine times out of ten, the people I interviewed, do you remember your first game? Yeah, we lost. That's usually what they say. Yeah. <laughs> to be honest, is, you know, proportionally and, and you know, on a on a probability scale, yeah, it happens more often than not. Um, but it's all about, as you said, that walk-up and that smell and, you know, whether it's Upton Park or their first game as London Stadium, that walk-up. And then, as you said, walking up the stairs in and then you just see a sea of green which doesn't seem to seem to be greener yeah. than any grass you've ever seen before in your life it mm. makes no sense but um yeah it's a special thing isn't it a special thing and you said now having the ability to pass it to your to your, your nephew as well and you know your kids further down the line you yeah. know and so on and so forth i know it's a bit <laughs> early to think about that but you know it's um it, it's a it's a it's a family tradition and that's what i think people love about it is still a very much a family club and you see that with um people we've had on we've had fathers and sons on you know yeah. you know and stuff like that and it's lovely to see because it just shows that you know there's this you know sort of momentum there'll always be fans there'll always be regardless of what division people at west ham's in you'll still get set out to all the games because it's just it's just being part of a, about being part of a family isn't it and that's what yeah. i think people miss when like, obviously since restart is is that sort of sense of togetherness i mean you, you can replicate it on zoom and the watch alongs all the you know how much <clears> chat and 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 irons united and people do um but it's that sort of as you said it's going with your family or going with your mates going to the pub beforehand talking rubbish before talking <laughs> rubbish afterwards not yeah. even the game is it really i mean the thing is you've got just a, you've got a fantastic view of the game now because it's on telly and you know better than probably what you had at london stadium um, yeah. are you a crowd noise on or off type person i turn it off um it it annoys me a little bit because it never like it isn't natural yeah. like you know there's no point in having the noise of it sort of forced in my book plus it can be quite interesting to hear what the players are saying yeah um so yeah i i turn it off every time yeah it, you're right and it's i mean some people just like listen some i mean i i i have to i have to put it on because literally when i'm there at the moment it's just so quiet it's just <laughs> it's just so quiet you know it's weird obviously if you're watching it it's not as weird because you should understand but being there and just it's so cavernous and you're just there like fucking, it's like as you yeah. can hear the journos typing on their laptops that's how quiet it is and you know they all got these flashy mac ones and so you shouldn't really hear it but you do um and so i have to put this i have to put some noise on or i have to put a watch along on just so i've got some some noise you know just going through it it's a, although i did watch the game the other day and i, I watched it entirely with the crowd noise off the away game and um yeah that was quite fun just because i like hearing people swear you know just, yeah. <laughs> just to hear who shouts the most you know and you can make out quite clearly oh that's mark noble oh that's deck you know and stuff like that but it's all fun and games yeah i um i actually managed to get a press pass for um colchester v west ham under 21s on tuesday Brilliant. and that that was a very strange experience because obviously that was an empty stadium and they still had some of the cutouts of fans in oh, a section yeah, of the yeah. ground so that was quite amusing but it's very strange sitting in a football stadium and not having all that anticipation before the game and 
I mean, granted, it was an EFL trophy game, so it wouldn't have been. It's still the same, though. It's still the same with the Premier League games. Yeah. It's like, you know, I we, we, we still do all the videos and all the, you know, the London's calling and all that stuff just to get some atmosphere because mm. although there's no, there's no fans apart from me and a few people working there, you know, it's still, you've got to try and get something out for the players. You know what I mean? Yeah, just so yeah. they can. I don't know, but it's just, it's just, it's weird. It's weird. And it doesn't look like any time soon it's going to change. So, mm. but I think we've all, I think people have adjusted to it quite well. Do you know what I mean? I just think it needs to be done. And it's, it's a shame that it's had to be put back. I mean, it was meant to be the next, the Man City game, weren't it? They were thinking originally at the beginning of the season. And mm. That's now been pushed back. So we'll see what happens. But, you know, as long as, as long as, uh, you know, the, the team starts. Doing some stuff in the league now. Obviously, no, not we're not in the cup now. So yeah. there we go. <laughs> Less said about that, the better. But yes, it's um, yeah, it is what it is. But uh, yeah, we got some tough games. But you know, the Wolves game was encouraging for the, mm. the league. We'll call it the league side. Um, it was encouraging for the league side. And so yeah, but I'm trying to got Leicester now. They obviously just turned over City. So. Okay, <laughs> anyway, <Yeah>. moving on, <laughs> moving on. Let's talk about the eleven. That's what we do. We do nostalgia. We don't do any any current affairs. Um, so the idea of the Hammers eleven is everyone we come on comes on the channel picks their eleven. So the only mm -hmm. rule is you have to be alive to a scene and play. But in terms of who you pick, it could be the best, your favourite, which might not be your best, the best, for example. Um, it could be the worst. It could be I don't know players beginning with b it doesn't really matter it's all about sort of people that mean something to you whether it's positive or negative and and that type of thing it means we've had like over 200 or different players have come up in terms of you know if we if we didn't put that parameter on it'd be the same bloody 11 wouldn't it really be, yeah. it would be bobby Moore and <laughs> phil parks and stuff but you mean we went around to see him play so yeah why should we pick him do you know what i mean but um so that's what we do so that's what we do so mm -hmm. um you can play any formation you want either dan it doesn't really matter mate. so we'll start off in goal because that's the easiest one yeah just just to start i've gone for sort of a mixture between favorite and best yeah um so in goal i've gone for robert green yeah um you know, obviously his reputation was tarnished by what happened against USA. Exactly. Um, crazy. One goal, um, isn't it? But my my favourite Robert Green sort of stage of him being at West Ham was actually after that because we got to see how every single fan base would come and just absolutely berate him. Mm. And then, you know, he'd put in these blinding performances and if we won, he'd give them a bit of stick back. And I don't think there are too many people that could have potentially dealt with that on, yeah. you know, pretty much a weekly basis. Yeah. You know, that was a lot for him to handle. And I thought he did it really well. And so that just really took him up in my estimations. Yeah, no good shit. You're right. You're right. It takes a very strong minded person to have the bottle to do that isn't it to mm. take all that abuse and um yeah i mean he's a he's a he's a he's a different type of person robert green by all accounts when i've interviewed <laughs> other his teammates they mention he's yeah he's different than, than them but i think you need to be different to be a goalkeeper um, yeah not not the not the you know not the character not the sort of the the crazy sort of adrian type goalkeeper but very very you know 
calm, very collected. We interviewed Jimmy Walker, and he said that that Greeno was was the best trainer he'd ever had. wasn't wasn't the best goalkeeper, but mm. um, but he was the best trainer he's he's, he's worked with, and um, you, you can understand that. So obviously, the famous game against Arsenal when he had like you know a dozen one on ones, and yeah. everyone he he was training on the Friday doing two and a half hours extra. Um, on the Friday, doing one oh ones, one one oh ones, one on ones with Ludo, and uh, it paid yeah. off. You know what I mean? But uh, right, we put Greeno in. Um, what are we playing? Four at the back, Dan. Three at the back. Yeah, I've back? gone. I've gone for like a four three one two. Nice. Um, yeah, I haven't got any conventional wingers in this formation, which sure. sort of does a disservice to the likes of Matty Everington. But yeah, got to do what you got to do. You got to do what you got to do. <laughs> right, okay, let's go left back then. Who have we got left back? Uh, I've gone Aaron Cresswell. Yeah. Um, I know people, you know, he sort of maybe tailed off a little bit in the last season or two. But, you know, there was a stage where obviously he won Hammer of the Year. Yeah. Um, you know, he was among our best players for quite some time. You know, his delivery on the ball, his free kicks, you know, he was really solid defensively. And, you know, he's still done well. I mean, against Wolves, I thought he performed brilliantly. I mean, pretty much everyone did, but he performed brilliantly. So, um, so yeah, he's definitely my left back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's one of his players, and you know, we've had quite a few. Once they get injured, they never come back the same, do they? Mm. And that was him. You know, he was, he was, as you said, final cylinders, hammer of the year. Um, you know, when he was, it's his seventh year now, I think, at the club. And, you know, when he came, he was exciting. Um, then he got injured and never was the same player, unfortunately. Um, and that happens to quite a lot of us, it seems, particularly mm-hmm. in the modern day. Um, but yeah, all right, we'll put Crazy in. Okay, let's go, let's go right back. Let's go the other side then, Danny. Just one more point on Cresswell. Um, the fact that he's had such longevity when he was a signing from Ipswich, I also think is very impressive because he obviously had to take a step up and he did it pretty much immediately. Yeah, yeah, no, I totally agree. Yeah, but yeah. Anyway, on to right back, uh, Thomas Repka. Super Thomas Repka. Um, anyone who worked with me at my old place, Snack Media, knows how much I love Thomas Repka. Um, he's he's actually the person that made me fall in love with defending. Like when I was younger, I used to be a striker, but managers always just dropped me back slowly until I was a centre-back. But, um, yeah, I absolutely loved Thomas Repka. I mean, you know, he was just such like a warrior on the pitch. And, you know, I also think he was underrated as a footballer. I mean, people pick on the fact that he was a right-back who never scored. But he did a lot more than that, obviously. Um I thought he was a very good player, obviously very tough. And you could tell that he absolutely loved the club based on that final game and when he was being clapped off and he was pretty much in tears. And, you know, seeing a player like that showing so much emotion was pretty touching, I thought. Mm. And, you know, I've watched it back a few times since and, yeah, I just can't help but love Thomas (laughs) Rep. Yeah, and I think, I I honestly think that's probably the first time that, fans would have chanted his name do you know what i mean and thinking mm-hmm. about where he's gone before i mean i don't Fiorentina and stuff like that i just wouldn't think maybe prague but, but i wouldn't think that anyone would 
do that you know so it must have been like an unusual thing for him to have that sort of mm-hmm. ovation i think that's almost what sort of did it because it sort of, sort of it was like a swell of super, 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 super. and it just got louder yeah. and louder and louder and it must have been just incredible um and I know what you mean. I mean, you know, he, he wasn't pulling up much trees when he was at centre-back. And then they moved into right-back. And he just seemed to be the right position for him. Um, mm-hmm. It just seemed to work a lot better for him. But, uh, yeah, we love a nutter, don't we, to be honest, Dan? Yeah. We do. I mean, even even after he's <laughs> left, you know, even more so, he's become he's become more of a West Ham icon since he's left. So, uh, no, I love it, man. Right, OK, Thomas Repka is in. Who is... Let's go centre-back. So, who's your first centre-back, man? Uh, so my first centre back is Winston Reid. Yeah. Um. He, you know, final goal at Upton Park, scoring that goal against Millwall. Um. You know, he's going to be pretty popular based off those yeah. two goals alone. Let alone everything else he did for the club. Um. You know, he was a solid defender. You know, there were quite a few times, if I'm correct, where you know the likes of Arsenal and a few different clubs oh, yeah, were looking yeah. at him, but. He decided, you know, whether he decided to stay or whether the club just turned down the offers. Obviously, I don't know. But, um, but you know, he, he was a very good player. And, you know, while he sort of had his injury problems towards the end, you know, no one can forget just what he's done for this club. I mean, he was there for such a long time. Again, an absolute bargain from Midland. I think it was like 500 grand or something stupid like that. Um for a player who's done so well. Mm. So so yeah, he's he's definitely in there for me. No, you're right. And and I mean, you know, again, uh, the same thing with Cresswell. I so I was gonna mention Winston Reed, but I thought, do you know what, you're probably gonna have him in your team. Um yeah. but yeah, he was the same thing, isn't it? Injury, you know, just what you know, he, he may well not have been a West Ham player if as like now if he wasn't injured. Do you know what I mean? Just because mm. as you said, the lights of Liverpool, Arsenal, they were all sniffing around for him. Um, I mean, the best thing for him was us getting relegated the season he came because it, he found his feet in the championship. And yeah, definitely. He was a great player. I mean, yeah, 10 years. He's been many years. We signed him in 2010, weren't it, after the World Cup. So um, 2010 and, and you know, it's great. I mean, he's just starting to play again now at MLS. So mm. good luck to him. You know what I mean? I think he's one of those players where um, it's weird because I don't... There's certain players who... Just, I mean, he, I think people respect Winston Reid as a player and stuff mm-hmm. like that. I just don't think he had the same connection with the fans like a James Collins. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. He's like, and I just think it's maybe because, as you said, because he came from Denmark, they're quite reserved, the Scandinavians, New Zealanders, they're quite yeah. reserved. Whereas like Collins was like, you know, you know, like Welsh, you know, sort of, you know, so <laughs> you could skinhead and stuff like that. But no, he's, his contribution to particularly modern West Ham is, is well, it's going to go, it'll always be in history, won't it? Because mm-hmm. of the last goal. Um, right. Okay. I'll put Winnie in. Oh, one thing on that point. Sorry. Um, so I actually managed to get into a press conference for sport in Kansas city and speak to Winston Reed for the book. Cool. And one thing that was very clear is he definitely had an appreciation for the fans Yes, because when when I um when I asked him obviously about scoring that goal, he sort of said you know to give West Ham fans such a special moment after they've stuck with him and the team through mm. good. He he actually said uh, there's probably been more bad times than good times for West Ham, uh, which I found quite amusing. But um, 
but yeah, you know, he he's really appreciated that. And, you know, as much as that moment was special for him, he mm-hmm. sort of was yeah, really yeah, keen yeah. to point out that it, it was he was really glad to give that to the fans as well. Yeah, and I mean, for someone like him, it's just, yeah, it must just be just such a, you know, he'll never, when he comes back, um, you know, from from, his, from from Kansas, if he does, um, he'll never have to buy a drink in East London, obviously, mm-hmm. well, just because of that, not only just the Millwall goal, but because of that goal and um, everything he brought to the, the club. All right, when he's in, okay, who is, who's next? Who's your next centre-back? You actually mentioned him. I've gone James oh. Collins. <laughs> I was close to picking Og Bonner because I do really like him. I think he's brilliant. Okay. But there's just something about James Collins. I just couldn't yeah. leave him out. I mean, I love a player that's willing to, you know, put their body on the line and just sort of gives everything for the team and all yeah. that. And, you know, James Collins is the epitome of that. And, you know a bit like Replica, you know, that final game, um, you know, where all the West Ham fans were singing, sign him up, sign him up, Ginger Pele. Mm. And, you know, you could tell how emotional it was. Like, you know, that's probably, for me, one of the most emotional moments we've had at London Stadium is Mm. seeing him leave the club. And, you know, he obviously had two spells, if I'm right, you know, the second spell is when he sort of really came into his own and just yeah. sort of showed us just how quality he is. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, he just, he just, he just, West Ham fans just got him and he got West Ham fans, wasn't it? It's just like mm. that never say die attitude. Um, and I've said it before, I don't necessarily remember much of his first stint. As his second stint, his second stint to me, he came back and he came back as a West Ham defender. You know, yeah. rugged, skinhead, beard, like old, more of an old school defender. And um, yeah, no, I mean, particularly that last season and the season before, you know, he he put in some, he he basically won games on his back, didn't he? He, mm-hmm. he was he was that good. Um, and it's a shame that you know, obviously, he wasn't there for the tenth year, but. Football's different now, you know what I mean? It's, it's, it's you talk to a lot of the ex players who have been around in the eighties, you know, Tony Gales and Cotties and Macavenis and people like that, and it's different. You know, it's like it's not about staying at a club for ten years now. It's about your three, four year contracts and then you move on, or we may mm-hmm. offer you an extension for two. You know, you don't. The Mark Nobles of this year, of this world, are, are exceptions to the rule, um, unfortunately, and and I think yeah. we still have this sort of utopian view of football that they are oh, the players want to stay here forever and they love the fans and they're, they're, mm-hmm. they generally everyone i interview every ex-player same as you they genuinely love the play you know you've got the same experience they love the fans they all love the west ham fans but um yeah it's uh we don't get that anymore we we test yeah. new years and stuff unfortunately <laughs> right okay uh we're going free midfield aren't we i think we said yeah go on who's well, your first one Seeing as you've just mentioned him, Mark oh, sorry, Noble. I'm just, spo- I'm just spoiling it. <laughs> as I say, I'm thinking he's going to put Mark Noble in as well. Poor bugger. Yeah, go on. You talk about Noble. Um, well, I mean, obviously, right. You know, I've been focusing on that last game at Upton Park for the last few months or so. Literally every sing- single person I ask to pick out, you know, their man of the match or who stood out for them pretty much said Mark Noble maybe yeah. one or two others didn't because he was just absolutely sensational for that whole season 
Um, and, you know, just the longevity. I mean, as you say, like, you know, how many people nowadays stick around at a club as long as Mark Noble has managed to stay at West Ham mm. and the amount of times he's been completely written off, even by his own fan base. And he's managed to convince manager after manager that he's worth having in the team. So I think that says a lot about him as a player and also as a character To because, you know, he, he absolutely adores West Ham fans because he is one. So, you know, to even have been doubted by them at points and been like, no, actually, I can still lead this club is very admirable in my book. Oh, and, totally. you know, he, he's had an impact right from the start. I mean, I still remember that volley against... Spurs, the you know the game where Te I think Tevez scored as well. Yeah. But you know, like to be going from then and now still be involved, pretty much. It's probably almost my entire time as a West Ham yeah, fan. Be, yeah, almost, maybe, yeah. maybe minus like four years or something like that. He's been there, so it's going to be very weird when he does eventually retire. And I watch West Ham side that doesn't include Mark Noble. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's the same as if it's the same, you know, in in the in the in the sort of the more um, more experienced era, as we'll say, um, <laughs> <laughs> the old codgers. Um, no, because they, I mean, you know, obviously you had Bonzo and Alvin Martin. For a lot of people, that they all knew you know, they were there for twenty years. So mm. you know, double test. So they were the only people. They were always there for so, a lot of people who had supported the club at that time. And Mark Noble's the same. And it's, I mean, I was obviously, I, I mentioned this a few times when Mark Noble's name comes up in discussion, which obviously very often. Um, Chelsea last year, obviously with the 3-2, Mark wasn't in the squad. And I was, and he was sat right by the disabled, in the disabled bays, because they're already socially distanced, the chairs, aren't they? Because he mm. had the wheelchair access. So that's where they put the auxiliary squad. And Mark was there and I watched him, not the whole game, but for quite a lot of the game and he and you know when you and you know he's a West Ham fan but to see it because literally he was watching <laughs> that game like a fan every ball was being kicked everything was being you know every wrong decision and you know he was up it and when that when Yarmolenko scored just he literally almost punched a hole in the wall and then as soon as final whistle happened jumped over the barrier couldn't yeah. have done his ankle in, um, just to get into the tunnel as quickly as possible. And you're thinking, oh, I mean, I love the man already, but watching him do, watching him mm -hmm. play, watch a game, he's like, do you know what? It's amazing. It's such an, and, and, you know, and I, and I hope that, you know, my head and my heart thing that, uh, you know, Mr. Rice sees the impact that Mark Noble makes mm -hmm. amongst the fans. He's not silly. He knows that Mark Noble, Mark, yeah, he said Mark, it's almost like he's Doctor Who, Mark Noble, because he sort of re, re, he regenerates himself every so often, doesn't yeah. he? To defence me, feel, feel blind. Now I'm going to go attacking. No, I'm now a number, a number 10 now. And it's like, no, I'm back to defensive midfield player. You know, it's just like, yeah. yes, he's, and it's just amazing. And I just think it's, it's such a special thing to have a fan who's your captain and is a one man club and has played over 500 games. The, there's not many players in the in the modern game who do that, and I think mm. um, he needs to be revered once once he retires. And so, uh, and I, and I hope obviously, I mean you know there's this sort of wave to have ex players in 
every age group of the setup uh, up to mm-hmm. uh, up to London Stadium at the moment, and so obviously Zavon and and, and Colton and, and people like and Potsy and Kevin Keane, and I would hope Mark would slot into one of those groups, and, and Paul Kajeski. Sorry, sorry, Conch, because <laughs> um, <laughs> otherwise he'll text me. Didn't mention me, um, but yeah, no, uh, and, and hopefully Nobs will be another one added to that because he just needs to be. I don't yeah. think he'd lead, he'd ever leave the club. Do you know what I mean? I think they literally had to drag him out, kicking yeah. the screen. I almost see like, you know, like those, those doglies, those retractable doglies. <laughs> you can go like five metres, but you can't go anymore, anymore. Yeah. And you come in and I could just see that with Mark Noble. But, um, <laughs> no, he's a good man. Right. Okay, Noble's is in. Who's next? Uh, oh, I've actually gone for Declan Rice. Oh, for God's sake. <laughs> you know what? <laughs> literally, I'm sitting there going, I'm not going to mention any players now. Okay, go on, Declan Rice. Yeah, go on. Um... You know, obviously, he is just a brilliant talent. And I think also what comes across is how likeable he is as a person. Yeah. I mean, you you know, there's Twitter accounts with, like, videos and all that dedicated to him. And, you know, he's just had such an impact. And to already have, you know, over 100 appearances for West Ham he's at crazy. his age is, you know, it just shows how good he is and... You know, I doubt even he thought that when he was coming on with a couple of minutes left against Burnley, and if I'm correct, he was that was pretty much all the game time any academy product was getting that season, that he'd go on to do what he has done now. And obviously, you know, it is kind of an exciting time for the academy, even if Dean Garner got sold and, you know, Anthony Scully left and stuff like that you know this is an exciting time for the academy in my opinion and he's obviously without doubt the figurehead of that and you know he's probably a massive motivator for the players coming through Mm -hmm. because they're like look what deck did let's try and emulate that or even if we can't be as good as he was let's at least join him in the first team playing on a regular basis Mm -hmm. so you know look there is likely going to be a time where he leaves because he is just yeah. so good. I just hope and pray that it isn't this summer. Otherwise, there will be some sort of revolution or yeah. something. I, I, I've always thought, I don't think it was going to be this summer. I always mm. thought, and hopefully I've got a few more days to not prove myself silly, but I've always thought it's not this summer. I just think, you know, there's the only team... Well, I don't think. Okay, let's rephrase that. I don't think he. I don't think. I don't think he'll go to Chelsea by the end. You know, this summer because mm-hmm. I think they spent all their beans now, and I think you know they want. A, they want him as a centre back. Hopefully, he proved at the Everton game he's probably better yeah. as a defensive midfield player. Um, but obviously, they got Thiago Silva, so for them, it's like, well, you know, there's Silva and one other. Really, the only team that worries me is Man City. Because of the, mm. because because they need a new Fernandinho, they do. Rodri doesn't do it for them for me. I don't mm. think he's just the the player. And and so, you know, he would Deck would walk into that team. He's that good. Yeah. Um, that's the one that worries me. No, nothing else. I think everyone else is probably sorted a little bit. You know what I mean? And mm. but uh, I mean, yeah, it's it, it's a case of when rather than if. But that's a case of modern modern football as it is at the moment. But I totally agree with what you mean about the academy. It's, it's an incredibly exciting time, you know. The the Alessi, what was it? Ashby. I think Ashby's a mm. fantastic player. Oh, I think he's a brilliant player. Um, 
and you know there's there's some really good you know Connor Coventry obviously scored absolutely cracker the other day didn't he yeah um, and I just think there's some really good young players around obviously they sent Dan Kemp on loan um, and I think a few more might go on loan now because we've been knocked out of the cup um, yeah. but that's the way it works you know that's why Ross mm. Barkley left to go to, to go to Villa because they got knocked out of the cup um, mm. and so it always happens but I think Deck is an, an incredible person and a lovely bloke and if a bid came in and we rejected it, he's not going to do a pie yet. Sorry, yeah. I just thought you're going to put a pie <laughs> <at> your team. <sighs> he's not going to do an Anatovic. Can we say that? Yeah, he's not. Okay. He's, gonna, he's not going to do an Arnie and throw his toys out the ground, right? Do you know what I mean? But um, yeah, no, I think he's a great bloke. And, and hopefully he'll be captain for a, a long while for us because I just think he's... I remember seeing him under twenty under twenty threes because obviously we do a few under twenty three games at London Stadium, and I remember it's a couple of years ago we were doing he was doing and he looked he was just head and shoulders above everyone, mm. just because of the way he conducted himself and having talked to like loads of ex players like you know Sinks Trevor Sinclair and people and Hartson and people like that, it's so unusual to have someone so young have this sort of leadership John John Terry yeah. quality about him. Do you know what I mean? He's just so <laughs> you can see why Frank Lampard sees him as the next John Terry because of the way he conducts himself in terms of leadership and yeah. Oh, I just love him. It's horrible. Yeah, he's it? it's he's horrible. a superb player. It's just I think it's just a case of making sure that we enjoy him as much as totally. possible while he's here. What rather than you know, once this summer's out of the way, don't think, oh, yeah, he might be going next season. Just enjoy him while he's here because he's such a good January, player. Yeah. yeah. But, I mean, it's... it's it's with the, and, it, and it just shows you how good Declan Rice is. So, when we... The Newcastle game, beginning of the season, everyone's like, oh, that's it. His head's turned. Da, da, da. He had one bad game. And yeah. he probably played about a six or seven out of ten. And mm. it's like, well... If that's him on a, on a bad day, you know he was still probably one of the best players on the pitch for us. Yeah. But you know it just it just shows you how consistently well he performs as a, as a player. Um, like yesterday, didn't play very well, wasn't in position. I think the last time he hadn't played well, obviously Newcastle. Probably the last time before that was Wolves at the restart where he played him centre back, mm. and he just we lack. That position, that defensive midfield role, is such an unusual position. You can go and buy a decent centre back now, no worries. You could go and buy, you know, Man City bought Ake or Kulabali from Napoli, or you know, there's some good centre backs. Yeah. Next position is really hard to buy for. There's not many good ones out there. Yeah. But anyway, the De Declan Rice appreciation episode. <laughs> um, who's next? Um, so I've gone for Scott Parker. Oh, that is that is a taste. That is a tough midfield. I tell you, you wouldn't get much um, change out of that midfield, would you? Yeah, I mean, you know, I sort of spoke about how when I was younger, I moved back to centre back, but I ended up going into like a defensive midfield role. So yeah. I've got a lot of appreciation for these sort of players, and you know, Scott Parker, you know, even the last season when we got relegated and were absolutely rubbish, he was just every week turning up and you know just he, he was so so good and you know it wasn't just his own performances he was motivating his teammates I mean even though it obviously didn't pay off mm. because so many of them were just so incredibly average um you know he he just he was just incredible and you know even though obviously 
every West Ham fan didn't want him to go to Spurs. Like, while it did take a bit of time to get over him leaving purely because it was Spurs, he definitely did deserve the chance to go back into the Premier League and be pushing for Europe and try to get into that England team. It was just obviously a shame it was for Spurs. Um, <laughs> but but yeah, I mean, I don't think that should detract. I remember the first time he actually came back to Upton Park to play, there was like a very confused atmosphere around him because everyone wanted to appreciate what he did. Yeah. But there were some people who just couldn't look past the fact that he'd gone back to Spurs. But I think as time went on, I think everyone sort of, you know, realised what he did give to the club, just how good he was as a player for us. Mm. And that he was also, you know, well within his rights to go and yeah, find I mean, a new it's, club. It's weird, isn't it? It's weird because, like, we've just spoke about Declan Rice and I don't think any West Ham fan would begrudge him wanting to go to another, wanting to leave to go to Chelsea, you mm. know, or Man City. There, there wasn't, there isn't much difference to when Scott Parker left. Do you know what I mean? It's just, it's funny. And it's like, you know, and I know into Tottenham, and yeah, but you know, you think about, and I've said it before, you think about the people that we revere as legends, you know, the Martin Peters, he left to go to Tottenham. Mm-hmm. Bobby Moore, Bobby Moore was going to, wanted to leave, you know, potentially he was going to go to Tottenham or Arsenal. So, but he's got a stand named after him. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and you know, it just seems that it's funny how we, how we, 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 we paint the brush, or you know the same brush stroke, um, but you know, oh, but it's all right because he's he won the world. It's not. I mean, for us, Scott Parker is like he he carried the team for three years on his back. He, I'd see him crawl off the pitch almost, like literally mm-hmm. at the you know coming out of the changing room, you know, going home. He would be limping, and he knows he's you know literally left everything on the pitch, and that's all we ask as a West Ham fan. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you know, if he. Had gone to Chelsea, back to Chelsea instead of Tottenham. But the thing was, his dad was a Tottenham fan, wasn't he? His dad, like, on his deathbed, wanted him to play for Tottenham or something like that. And so, yeah. you know, it's, it's again, it's this utopian view of, you know, mm. what a footballer actually, you know, it's a career for them. And, you know, it was always going to go. Uh, it's a shame he just went to, you know, three point lane. But um, I know. think it's one of those where it just sort of takes a little bit of time to yeah. get over. And I also think, you know, seeing him as Fulham manager now has sort of made some people realise just what a good man he is as well. Like when he spoke after the playoff final and you realise just how much he put into it. And he became quite relatable because he's talking about like having a Chinese on the weekend and stuff like that. So, you know, just, yeah, just everything about him, he's he's just class. Yeah, he's he's a class act. Um, and that 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 three of Noble Rice would do it. Parker Noble Rice. It's almost like a changing of the guard. The way I see mm-hmm. it. So no, there's no doubt that Mark Noble learned a lot about how to be a captain, how to be a player, how to be a, a man from Scott Parker. No mm-hmm. doubt at all. And now Declan is no. There's no doubt that he's learning how to be a captain and a man from Mark Noble. It's sort of this, and they've all passed down the Parker pirouette, as I call it. You know, yeah. like they've all they all do the Parker pirouette, and um, no, no, it's a, it's a tasty three, man. Right, okay, so we're playing three, and you said we're playing like one behind the the front two. Is that right? Yeah. So 
just before I do that, I'm going to say I was really close to putting Valon Barami in that three, oh. but I just couldn't find a place for him. What an engine. Love, what an engine. Yeah. But anyway, uh, you mentioned him before. It's Dimitri yeah. Payet. Yeah. Um, you know, obviously, he left in not the best circumstances. No. But I think, you know, once that dust settled, you begin to realise just how incredible he was for us. I mean, mm. sometimes it's almost hard to believe that it actually happened. Yeah, I know like, exactly what you mean, yeah. Like, this bloke just turned up from Marseille. Like, don't get me wrong, when he came, I was like, oh, this could be a decent signing, pretty exciting. But in no way did I expect him to just yeah. completely light up the Premier League, become probably one of the best free-kick takers in the world, get two assists. You know, he didn't play that well in the final game at Upton Park, but he got two assists. You know, there's the goal against Man United at Old Trafford, the one against Crystal Palace. You know, well, two against Crystal Palace, the dinked one, and also that free kick free where kick. actually while while that free kick was in the air, I actually said, oh, well, he's missed that. And then it just dipped down and went in, and I was like, maybe <laughs> not. Um, but, yeah, I mean, just going to watch him every other week was just, at Upton Park, was just a pure delight. Mm. I mean... Just a feast for the eyes, wasn't it? Like, you know, you, you just you you turned up to games saying, Oh, I wonder what Pyatt's gonna do today. Yeah. You know, what yeah. the the whole team played out of their skin all season, but he was the one you're going, I wonder what he's gonna come up with. Mm, and that's the point. you know, in terms of technical ability, you know, he's got to be one of the best West Ham players for a long time. Oh, definitely. Definitely. I mean, we're. I don't think we're ever going to see a Ballon d'Or nominee in our starting lineup yeah. ever, ever again. Maybe you never know. You never know. Maybe further down the line, but in the not near future, that's for sure. Um, he was just special, wasn't he? He was the player. <clears throat> he was the player that all your mates who were Tottenham and Arsenal fans all wanted in their team. And that, mm-hmm. and I can't remember. There's one occasion I can remember, one play I can remember where that was the case, but I won't say it. Um, but there's, but I think you know, for me, he was just he's the best player technically I've ever seen at West Ham. I just think he is. He just had so much in his locker. Um, not the best player for me ever at West Ham, but technically the best player. Because I think mm-hmm. you need that passion. I don't think he had that passion. You know what I mean? He was just he was a fantastically gifted footballer but he didn't mm. have that sort of like just that that connection you know just that you yeah. know just that intensity um, i think he had that intensity at the end but i think that was more yeah. purely out of frustration yeah, yeah i remember there was the goal against i think the middlesbrough one yeah and you know he literally like everyone was trying to like high five him because he just scored this amazing goal and he was basically just pretty much saying get off me and get back yeah like like you know yeah i mean even even though things were unraveling like he was still so good and he obviously yeah yeah, and there was obviously that euros where you know i'm i'm obviously not a dad and but i'd imagine seeing him at that euros is sort of what being a proud dad feels like yeah 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 yeah. Because, you know you just see this guy when it was slab when he was jumping yeah. on the table and stuff like that and 
And again, yeah, something like that. He was, I can't remember any a time before where we had like one of the main, one of the main players in the, in the tournament <laughs> playing for West Ham. You know, it's all a bit weird. It was all a bit weird, but um, he was brilliant. And, and, you know, and again, very rarely do we get players who just, we get at the right time. We always get them when mm. they're either too young or too old. Um, they bookend their career with West Ham, but he was just in that right, you know, I mean, he's still, still performing well for Marseille now, but that, that's a sort of two year and a half, two years. That was, he was in his prime, you know, and that again, mm. you know, we, we don't, that never happens to us as well. So you're right. And, you know, with those mercurial players, you do get that sort of temperamental side. So, you know, the way he joined us was the way he left us. You know, he came having went on strike uh, at Marseille. And then so yeah. it's a little surprise that he'll just do it again. You know, it works. So <laughs> it is what it is. We only got, you know, I mean, on Alto, it's the same type of player, you know, mercurial. And we only got this other player because, you know, this this other player, famous player, because he pushed over a referee. Um, and that's it. Um, so it is what it is, what it happens. But anyway, Pyatt's in. Who's up front? Who's our first striker then? Uh, I'm going for Carlos Tevez. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously he wasn't with us for very long, but that time that he was with us, just, wow, it was just so amazing to watch. I mean, I remember because obviously he took a little while to settle and we didn't get to see that much of him. And I just remember chanting, we want Tevez on the pitch. And we just did it every single home game for ages. And then he came on the pitch and he was just outstanding. I mean, you know, obviously scoring the goal that kept us up, but there was that whole run before that. And, you know, a little bit like, you know, what I said with Pyatt, where you're saying, I wonder what Pyatt's going to do. Yeah. He was like, man, I can't wait to get to Upton Park and watch Carlos Tevez. Like, this yeah. guy is just going to do something amazing. I just know it. And, you know, we we managed... Obviously, there's everything around the fact that we signed him. But if I'm perfectly honest, I couldn't care less. No, I got either. to enjoy watching a supremely talented footballer at Upton Park, even for a short time. So I'll take it. And that's the thing. I mean, he's one of those. I mean, it's funny. We've interviewed a lot of players who were around during that time, um, mm. and they all said about Carlos. Yeah, he didn't want to learn any English when Maserano did, but he really wanted to integrate himself within the team ethic. So mm. I think I interviewed Anton, and Anton tells a story where they went to like a London nightclub, and Carly, Carlos turns up with his interpreter in the nightclub and so he's on the dance floor like giving it some and the interpreter's like next to them communicating you know, through the third party and i just think he's just you know they just they're all lovely guys they're both lovely guys and it was just weird you know like but it was football you know it's football and yeah. you, you know you just expect the unexpected with football but um he was a fantastic and i remember because also if i remember before before that tottenham goal and that release uh of like emotion um he was really unlucky. There was like, if I remember he'd hit the post or he'd hit the bar or the keeper. Yeah. Save it. He never quite. And then that first goal went in and that was it. It was actually, mm. you know, carnage from then on. And you um, could tell how much it meant to him as well. Yeah, totally. And obviously, you know, there's not many players who come back and get a good reception, like a universal good reception, but he yeah. did. And, uh, 
yeah, he's a, he's a great person. And, you know, he still has a club. You know, he said the, the article the other day, the only play, any t- club in Europe he'd play for would be West Ham if he came back. Mm. Um, 36. You know, even when he was at job. Man City and Man United, he was still giving it the irons, crossed arms. Really, didn't he? He brought it yeah. back. I mean, they did it in the <laughs> 70s and the 80s. I don't remember doing it again until Carlos Carlos Tevez came back. And yeah. he was playing for Man United at the time. But... Uh, no, I loved it, love it. Right, okay, Carlos is in. Who's the last place of this team going to then, Danny? There's a lot of good strikers who have missed out, but I couldn't leave out uh, Paolo Di Canio. You've got the shirt. That's the thing. The yeah. Shirt. I mean, that's the thing. It's like... I mean, again, it's a bit like Thomas Repka. You know, he was sort of around there at the beginning of my time as a West Ham fan. Mm. And... I remember one specific game, it was Chelsea away, and me and my dad um, had gone into the Chelsea end, and it was the season when we went down, and Paolo Di Canio was just out of this world. And I remember inside, I was like, oh my God, this guy is absolutely incredible. And I just wanted to jump around and just be like chanting his name, but I couldn't because I was scared that some like Chelsea hooligan would beat me up or something because I was only little. Um, but, you know, it's memories. Like, he's given so many West Ham fans so many amazing memories. And, you know, obviously there's that goal against Wimbledon, which is arguably the best ever scored at Upton yeah, Park. Yeah. And, you know, talking about that final game at Upton Park, you know, during the ceremony... Um, you know, it just became clear how special he is to mm. West Ham as a club because, you know, you think of the people who got their own little video. There was Billy Bonds, um, Bobby Moore, Sir Trevor Brookin and Paolo Di Canio. I mean, that's pretty, pretty big company to be in. Yeah. Um, so, so, yeah, it just says a lot. And, you know, I feel lucky that I was able to, become a proper West Ham fan just in time to actually see him play yeah. because I would have been pretty gutted to have to have missed out on that by yeah. by so close. So yeah. yeah, he's definitely And he's the same. You were saying about the, the Piet, you know, what's Piet gonna do? The, he was he was the same. You like you you go mm-hmm. to the game thinking what is Paolo gonna do? Not just from a footballing perspective, but just from an entertainment. He was he was an entertainer, you know, and he he's my best ever player, you know. So I said, you know, because he had the technical ability. Obviously, not as much as Piatt, in my opinion, but um, he had that passion and that entertainment mm-hmm. value. That's what we want to be at West Ham. We want to be entertained, don't we? We want to not know what's going to happen. It's and it was part of that crazy era where we had, you know, we. Yeah, we had like obviously people like Trevor Sinclair, we had all these youngsters coming through like Rio mm-hmm. and Joe, we had these old like Neil Ruddocks and Ian Wrights, we had, you know, we had these sort of crazy foreigners turn up like Palais Fouche. <laughs> it was part of an incredibly exciting time to be a West Ham fan. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm grateful that I was around to watch it because it was it was just like a soap opera. And that's mm-hmm. why we, we were entertained. And I always talk about you know, about that time and, you know, a classic example being that Bradford City game, you know, I didn't turn up at that Bradford City game thinking that we were going to have this 5-4 <laughs> barnstorm of a match, you know, where people are, you know, ripping the ball out of each other's hands and refusing to go off the pitch and getting sent off and broken legs and stuff like that. But yeah. something like that happened at every game. 
but it, literally they all happened at once in this one game but it was a uh, an amazing time and I, I was glad that i was around but uh no, it's good times, man. Good times. Yeah. Paolo, no, that, that's you imagine Paolo, Tevez, and Pai. Oh, no yeah. wonder you need Parker Noble. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, even you know, like when another thing, like where you mentioned loyalty earlier, I think another thing is that you know, obviously, players give the fans and the club something back by playing for them, but there was this genuine feeling that we'd given him something mm-hmm. special as well because of everything that came before and the fact that, you know, hardly anyone wanted to touch him with a barge pole yet. Harry Redknapp went, nah, let's get him in. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, you know, next thing you know, he's a club legend. <laughs> like, it's one of those ones that came off, didn't it? And he was yeah. just like, but he was just so passionate and just had this sort of, he, and again, a bit like Tevez, you know, but obviously a lot more sort of, longer period but they just got each other the fans and the player and you know like like collins mm. and people like that they just worked and you know he still loves the club i mean he's got a tattoo at west ham you know and i'm i'm so like i hate needles i'm so anyone who's got a tattoo is always i have high esteem but somebody who's not from around these parts he's got a west ham tattoo loves mm. the club and i just think he's a lovely lovely you know lovely lovely guy and um no, just a, a you know, a beautiful, it was a beautiful player, yeah, fantastic player. Um, yeah. and uh, no, well, that's it, Danny. That's the 11, man. Yeah, that's it. It's been emotional, <laughs> it's been a roller yeah. coaster, although I have spoiled most of the selections, so I do apologize. It is what it is, Danny, man. We're, we're going to chat in a minute, but um, separately, but I just want to say thank you for, for coming on the chat, the channel, and uh, really, really appreciate your time, man. Yeah, thank you for having me on absolute pleasure and obviously you can follow danny danny's clever enough to put his twitter handle <laughs> in his why i haven't done this at 180 odd episodes from now on i'm gonna have my twitter handle in there but anyway and obviously follow the progress of the book as well um no doubt when it's all done and dusted and probably ready to be published there'll be loads of stuff everywhere on twitter and stuff so make sure you, yeah. you follow him so he's, he's aware of that and um until next time for me and danny take care everyone stay safe that's very important at the moment stay safe yeah. come on you irons and we'll see you again very very soon take care everyone see, see you later sports social podcast network it is ryan here and i have a question for you what do you do when you win like are you a fist pumper a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.